How many of you are glad to be at Fire and Ice? I'm always delighted to get to be a part of this. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you are now, you'll, you'll recognize this more probably this evening and tomorrow morning and tomorrow night. You are now at the largest gathering of Pentecostal holiness young people that you will be at all year, right? And to my knowledge, probably what will be when all these chairs are full, the largest gathering of Pentecostal holiness young people in, in our history. So you ought to give yourselves a hand. We're excited about what God is doing. Amen. Amen. I'm glad he's here and I'm glad you're here. We're going to have some fun this weekend, but I hope you'll stay focused on why you're really here. Amen. It's a long trip to make for some of you if you don't encounter God. And that's what this is about. If we don't encounter God, this is nothing more than a pep rally. You can do that at your local high school. Right? So this is about encountering God. This is not about getting to know your friends better, although you will. This is not about finding a boyfriend or girlfriend, although some of you will. This is not about tearing up a hotel. Although, no, you're not going to do that one. This is not about losing sleep. This is not about freezing your hiney off. This is about getting to know God. So we're going to kind of set that as our course this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 29. I'm going to read two passages of scripture to you, Exodus chapter 29, and then we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 17. While you're doing that, let me just say thank you so much to all the Fire and Ice Committee and the great work they do. You guys ought to be really thankful. They do a lot of hard work to get this thing ready. And uh, yeah, give them a hand. You know, if you think about it, they don't have to do this. They all have full-time jobs without this. When you, when you take the role of a CEM director and talk about, well, you're responsible for youth camps every summer, junior, senior, kids camp, uh, they, they are involved in rangers, then you, pa you pack on top of that fine arts, and then you pack on top of that everything the conference superintendent tells them to do. They don't need necessarily do this, but they do this for one reason, and I know it because I get to talk to them. You know why they do it? They love you. Bottom line. They don't get paid to do this. They just do this because they want to make a place for you. And so all these folks that you see walking around in these tan pullover uh, little jacket things that say fire and ice on it, why don't you do me a favor? I didn't even plan on telling you to do this. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you freak them out this week? I want you to do two things. First of all, those people ought to be the most hugged people all weekend. Every time you see one, I mean, drive them crazy. They're going to be trying to stay away from me because you do it so much. I want, I want you to find them, and I just want, every time you see one, I'm just stop what you're doing. If, if you're in a youth group of 30 here, all 30 of you, just walk up at one time and just hug them all together. Big old group hugs. Just keep hugging them. And then this is the other thing I want you to do, and I'm dead serious about this. You go, you go back to your room this afternoon and pray about this. But at some point, you ought to find one of these folks with these tan jackets on, and you ought to put something in their hand. You ought to take, you ought to plant a seed. You ought to take a $5 bill out of your pocket, a $10 bill out of your pocket, a $20 bill out of your pocket, and hand it to them and say, I just want to bless you. Listen, you can't outgive God. He'll bring it back to you. You are reaping the benefit of their hard work, and they deserve to be honored. And so I encourage you to do that throughout this week. Will you do that for me? Oh, that's weak. Come on, will you do that for me? Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 29. Exodus chapter 29. 
verse 19. It says, Then you shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall slaughter the ram. Now, you need to understand something right here before we go any further. We have cleaned up Christianity and made it look really nice, but the reality is, is when you read God's word, this is a lot, a lot of about, a lot of Christianity is about death. You just need to understand it. So they say, you have to slaughter this ram. Take some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the lobes of his son's right ears and on the thumbs of the right hands and on the big toes of the right feet and sprinkle the rest of the blood around or on the altar. Then you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments and on his sons and on his son's garments with him. So he and his garment shall be consecrated as well as his sons and his his sons and his son's garments with him. Now I want you to catch this. He takes this blood and they sprinkle it on the altar. And then in verse 21, it says, then you shall take some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on them as well. Turn to Luke chapter 17. You're going to think, what in the world do these two portions of scripture have to do with each other? And I'll try my best to make them connect for you. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. Talking about Jesus, it says, While he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And let me stop right there and say, it doesn't really matter how far away from Jesus you are this morning. The bottom line is, is if you will call to him, he will always respond. Some of you got here and you are so far from God that you don't think God knows where you are anymore. You think he, you're so far off the map, you've done so many things wrong, you've made so many mistakes, that it doesn't matter how hard you holler, God can't find you. I got news for you. He will listen. So we find out that they, they're standing a great distance off because they had to by law, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. And now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his feet, on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. And the, then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Where are they? I'd like to ask you this morning a question. I hope you all answer in the correct manner. How many of you want to be anointed? Raise your hand. All right, not everybody raise your hand. I would think, maybe you say, well, Pastor Steve, I don't understand what you mean when you say the anointing. I don't understand the anointing. Let me just, there, I could give you some big long definition, but just let me define it for you like this. The anointing is what makes you better than you really are. It is when God infuses his power through a human vessel and takes that person with all of their flaws, with all their frailties, with all their shortcomings, and with all of their abilities and giftings, and he makes them better than they really are. You can ask any preacher on the face of the earth and say, do you want to be anointed? And they will say, yes, I want to be anointed, because they realize that if they are anointed, they will preach better than they can preach without the anointing. I've tried to, I'll just be honest with you, I've tried to preach with the anointing and without the anointing, I'll take with the anointing. It's better every time, I promise you. 
Hopefully when we finish this morning, you will say he was anointed and because he preached better than he can actually preach on his own. If you're a singer, you want to be able to sing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit because you will sound better. You may have the best voice in the whole world, but man, there are people on American Idol who have great voices. Now, there, there are some that don't have great voices and even with the anointing, I'm not sure that they could really make it. But there are some great voices on American Idol, but you can tell the difference between when one of them stands up to sing without the anointing and you can take somebody that has... a, a little less quality of voice or maybe it's just as good whatever and you can apply the anointing to that voice and there is something different about it go to any rock concert in america and they will be as tight as they can possibly be and they can all you with their musical abilities but you can go into a worship service and they can strike the first note and the anointing is applied and it will amaze you at the difference the anointing makes the difference it doesn't matter what field you're in you might be a teacher you may say well i need the anointing because it helps me teach better it doesn't matter if you work at, at burger king i promise you you want to work at burger king with the anointing of the holy ghost upon your life because it will make you a better employee than you were before the anointing. You need the anointing. If you're a football player, basketball player, wrestler, golfer, cheerleader, you need to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life because it will make you better than you can be on your own. It will set you apart. Now, I just want to tell you something this morning. We need you to be anointed. Can, can I just stand up here maybe as, as a representative of all the pastors and all the youth pastors and, and the, all the uh, denominational leaders and say to you as a generation, we need you to be anointed. In fact, I could say this and I think I would be safe. We, if there was ever a generation that we need to be the most anointed generation that ever crossed the face of the earth, it is your generation. We need some young people that understand and have the anointing of God upon their life. We need you to be able to stand up in impossible situations and bring breakthrough because of the anointing that rests upon your life. We need you to be able to stand up at your high school and in your place of employment and in your community and speak a word that will break addictions and that will heal marriages and that will heal diseases. We need you to operate under the anointing. We need you to be anointed. We need you to be able to take a microphone and produce a sound. Your generation is looking for a sound. We need you to be able to produce a sound that will set a generation on its ear so that they have to set up and take notice and respond to that sound. We need you to be anointed. We need you to be more anointed than we need you to be talented. We need you to be anointed. We need you to stand up and deliver the word. We need you to be able to speak a word that brings political revolution and moral revolution and, and economic revolution. We need you to be anointed. The problem that I see is this. Most of you fall into the same grouping as those nine lepers. Because see, what most of us really want is we want the anointing without any blood. We, we want to be able to come to fire and ice and get our dance on and get our emotional goosebumps and come in here and get the answers that we're looking for and get the peace that we so long and get long for and get the direction that we're asking for. But then we walk right out of this room after experiencing the anointing, which produces all of those things. And we walk right out of here and we go back and we live just like we lived before we got here because we got our dance on. Now we can do anything we want to do. Tommy Tenney calls it this. He calls that spiritual pornography. 
It's cheap thrills with no commitments or no relationships. That's what these nine lepers experienced. They experienced the power of Jesus. They experienced the healing work of of Jesus. And that's all they really wanted. They didn't want any relationship. They didn't want to have to spend any time in worship. They didn't want to spend any time in intimacy with him. What they just wanted was the feel good. And a lot of us are in the same place. You want to come to church on Wednesday night and your youth ministry and experience the power of God. It has no bearing on how you live the rest of your life. But as long as I came and had some church, boy, that's what I was looking for. And you go out of there experiencing spiritual pornography. You're addicted to God and his goosebumps, but it has no bearing on the rest of your life. I'm preaching real good right now. I could ask every youth pastor and he could name some of you that are in that, that group right now. You come, you're, you're just as dancey as everybody else and you're just as excited about Jesus as everybody else on Wednesday and you're just as into God as everybody else on, on, during youth group. But then you walk out of there and there's no commitment, there's no consecration. See, we want to preach, we just don't want any purity in our life. We want to sing, we just don't, have, we don't want any consecration in our life. We want to heal everybody, but we don't want any holiness. And what I read to you out of Exodus chapter 29 teaches us a powerful lesson and catch it right now. The blood cannot go or the oil, which represents the anointing, the oil cannot go where the blood has not been. Because according to the scripture that I read to you, oil follows blood, not vice versa. So come in here and get anointed all you want to, but if you haven't applied the blood to your life, you're out of order. Something's wrong. Something's out of balance. See, when I start talking about blood, a lot of you get nervous or uneasy or you'll turn me off because you go, well, I've already asked Jesus to save me. I asked him a long time ago to come into my heart. But you need to understand that according to Exodus chapter 29, there is a process by which priests become anointed. And I got news for you. Whether you like it or not, according to Peter, you are priests. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Therefore, if you are going to be a priest and you are going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish and you're going to operate in anointing, which we want you to and we need you to, then you therefore need the oil. But in order to get to the oil, you first have to go through the blood. And we, we start tuning that out because we go, well, I'm already a Christian. I've applied the blood to my heart. But I got news for you. According to Exodus chapter 29, there are other places that you need to apply the blood, not just your heart. There is a process that you have to go through. How many of you want to be anointed? Want to be better than you are, right? I want to tell you this morning, you cannot be anointed unless you first apply the blood. So there are three areas that he describes here that I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes. The first thing it says that they would do is that they would take blood, they would take blood, and they would apply it to the lobe of the right ear, right? That's what it says they did. What is, what is he saying to us? What are they trying to represent to us? He is saying, he is symbolically saying that everything that goes in my ears from this point forward, because I want to be anointed, because I want to be better than I am, because I, I want to be used by God, because I want to impact my generation, everything that goes through my ear from this point forward has to be consecrated to you, God. Oh, that went over like a lead balloon. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you 
can honestly believe that you can hear God's voice when constantly, every day, coming out of your iPod, coming out of your radio, coming out of your TV, or coming out of the people you hang around with, your, your spirit is pummeled by vulgarity and profanity and things that you have no business listening to. How can you still hear the voice of God? Amen, you're dismissed. That's good enough right there. Tell me how you can tune in when, when, the, when you want to be anointed, when you need to be anointed. How can you actually hear God's voice when all these other voices are speaking in your spirit? How? You can't. When we come to God and we say, I'm consecrating myself, I, I'm a priest, I want to be used by you. We have to consecrate our ears. In fact, Philippians 4 gives us some really good instructions. Philippians 4 puts it this way, and you know the scripture, you could probably quote it, verse, chapter 4, verse 8. He tells us to think on, basically, you've got options here. You can listen to things that are pure, things that are lovely, and things that are of good report. Nothing else. That's it. There's no wiggle room here for your style preferences. Well, I just like the beat. I don't listen to the words. Is it lovely? Is it pure? Is it of a good report? The, the writer, God, is, is making no accommodations for wiggle room where you get to make choices based upon your style preferences. You are either consecrated in your listening or you are not. And whether you are consecrated determines whether you hear God's voice or not. See, I am convinced, I'm just going to be honest with you, I am convinced that about 99.9% of our struggles as Christians are caused by what goes in our ear. You know why? Because whatever goes in your ear goes into your spirit. Whatever you listen to, whoever you listen to, goes straight down your ear canal into your spirit and it takes up residence there. That's why it's important who you listen to. We'll talk more about that in the morning. They go on, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. says, avoid godless chatter. Avoid it. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. The only way to avoid godless chatter is to consecrate your ears. See, some of you hang out with folks that talk about stuff that they have... You have no, they have no business talking about it, but you validate it by listening to it. You give place to it by listening to it. Some of you watch television shows, and I could call some of them. They use language that you have no business listening to. They talk about issues you have no listen, business listening to, and you think it doesn't affect you. I don't remember what they talk about. I got news for you. If you're a priest, you're supposed to have a consecrated ear. And... It goes in your ear and into your spirit, and then we struggle. Listen, it's time to apply the blood of Christ to your ears. Your CD collection should look different than your best friend who's not a Christian. All right, I'm tired of, I'm tired of going to your MySpace pages and listening to the same junk that I find on kids that, that don't know Jesus on their MySpace. Just sick of it. Your listening habits should be different. 
Oh, there's nothing cool. That's baloney. Don't talk to me about that. I grew up in the 80s when Christian music was goofy at best. Man, there's some good stuff out there that you can listen to. And I want to tell you, I quit listening to secular music in 1984 and it changed my life. It will change your life. Some of you are dealing with depression on a regular basis. You know why? It's because of what you listen to. Some of you are dealing with, with bad attitudes all the time. I can't figure out why I'm mad all the time. Well, listen to what you're listening to. Man, I'd be mad too if I listened to that junk. Kill everybody. I hate everybody. You're a nobody. Come on. You need to feed your spirit. Listen, what goes in your ear takes up residence in your spirit. You give it place. What you give place to takes up root. And what takes up root, man, if it's got a root, it will produce fruit. So you've got to consecrate your ears. One man said it like this. He said, words are judged by hearing. And when you listen to something, you judge it as either good or bad. And as soon as you listen to it, you give place to it. So you've got to learn to judge words and music and what you, what's going correctly so that you won't listen to the wrong thing. Listen, some of you got people in your rooms right now that you just need to go, you know what? I can't talk to you. I love you, but I just, I just can't talk to you anymore. Somebody got friends when you get home, you need to call them up one last time and say, look, as much as I love you, they may be in your youth group. As much as I love you, I can't talk to you anymore because, because my ear is bloody. Then the Bible says they would take blood and they would apply it to their right thumb, signifying now that anything I touch has to be holy. Anything. How I use my hands from this point forward must be holy. David says it like this. He asks a question in Psalms chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. He says, who can ascend unto God? In other words, what he's asking you is this. Who can touch God? Who can worship God? Who can be used by God? Who can be anointed by God? Who can be impacted by God? Who is a candidate to be, to be used in marvelous and miraculous ways by God? Who? Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. All we ever want to concentrate is the heart. Man, I got a pure heart, but what are your hands involved in? See, I'm not really interested in how high you can lift your hands during service when you get in here. What I want to know is what you're doing with your hands when you're not in here. What are you touching and who are you touching? Come on, guys. Let's be real. Young men, listen to me. What are you using your hands for? I'm not dating anybody. What are you using your hands for? Come on now. This is deep stuff. Y'all ain't out on the slopes playing games. We're here to hear from God. What are you using your hands for? I I can take you to statistics that teach us that most of you are online. A large portion of you are online looking at junk you have no business looking at. It's an epidemic. It's a silent epidemic. It's an anonymous epidemic that, that you're in the privacy of your own bedroom. Your mom and dad don't even know what you're doing because they don't know how to use the computer. So you, it's, it's wide open for you and you're looking at things that you have no business. You're using your hands to do things that you have no business to do. You're supposed to be consecrated. Whether you can touch God or not is not determined by how loud you worship and not determined by how big you dance and not determined by how high you can jump. What determines whether you can touch God or not is how clean your hands are. Some of you just need to keep your hands to yourself. Come on, girlfriends, turn and look at your boyfriend and say, just keep your hands to your stinking self. Come on, tell him. 
Now, that's my day and age right there. Now, guys, you turn and look at the girls because now this is your day and age and say, girls, keep your stinking hands to yourself. I'm consecrated. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 through 18. Come out from among them. We're supposed to be separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Listen to what he says. Do not touch what is unclean and I will... Listen now. Don't touch what is unclean and then listen to what the promise is. And I will receive you. So does that mean that if we touch unclean things, he won't receive us? Bingo. You got it. You won the prize. Ding, 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 ding. This is not rocket science. When we obey his word and we come out from among them and we separate ourselves, we become acceptable to God and he will deal with us. Want to be anointed? Use your hands for holy things. Want to be used by God? Put the computer up. Want to be used by God? Quit doing what you're doing with your girlfriend in the backseat of your car and keep your hands to yourself. If you won't touch nasty, evil things, good in their own right in in certain situations according to God's plan, but if you will follow God's word and keep yourself separate, he will receive you. Then the Bible says they do this. The Bible says they'd take some of that blood and they would apply it to their right toe, indicating now that everywhere I go is consecrated to you. I can't go anywhere and get away from this consecration. It's stuck. How many of you know blood will dry on you? Right? See, your, your walk ought to be marked by where you've been. Where have I been? You've been in the presence of God and I'm consecrated. I can't go where everybody else goes. You need to understand this morning that as a priest, your walk is supposed to be different than everybody else's walk. You can't go where your friends go. Well, I won't be cool. Tough. You're bloody. You need a bloodbath this morning. Bottom line is you need to take a big old hunk and bloodbath. 